0: Welcome to In The Deep. I'm your host, Katherine Ingram. The following is an interview with me, which was conducted by Chip Richards for the Uplift podcast. It's called Choose Courage Before Hope, and it was recorded in December of 2017. I wanted to also mention that we will launch our live online sessions in February of 2018 rather than January, so watch the website for those dates and times.
1: Author William Faulkner once said, you cannot swim for new horizons until you have the courage to lose sight of the shore. And in these powerful times on the planet, it seems that many of the shores that we've counted on for a long time, our systems and our structures and the natural world itself, is changing so radically that we don't really have a choice whether we're swimming for new horizons or not. So I'm curious as to what type of courage we need in times like this, and and what role hope may play. Mm -hmm. Catherine Ingram has been musing on the relationship between hope and courage. She's the author of In the Footsteps of Gandhi and Passionate Presence. She's the founder of Living Dharma and a very dear friend to Uplift. Welcome, Catherine.
0: Thank you, Chip. Lovely to be here.
1: So great to have you back uh, on the show and um, just excited to just dive into a conversation which I think has uh, meaning for many people on the planet right now. Why don't we just start by unpacking these two words a little bit for in, in your experience? And mm-hmm. you can start with either one, but they're such potent words and, and have such strong meaning in, in our culture and in our society used so often, uh, maybe too often. Um, so powerful to kind of really unpack them and go, wow, how, what do they really mean and, and, and how are they relevant to us right now?
0: Yeah. Well, I've been saying a lot lately, it's time to have courage rather than hope. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying we fall into hopelessness, but rather not investing too heavily also in hope that maybe really false hope but rather to invest our attention and our inner resilience toward courage hmm. uh, to face whatever is coming down. The picture is incredibly troubling um, hmm. this hard. it's hard to really find many ways to look at what's going on, the trajectory of uh, all of the different breakdowns and it's almost like a Venn diagram where they're all collapsing, they're swirling into each other, you know, they're, each is causing further collapse of other ones, you know, so um, that's what's happening. Yeah, anyone who's paying a slight bit of attention has to be noticing that and I think that it's time for really Dharma resilience, it's time for really turning to... You know, to love the ones you love and to there's this a there's something that Joanna Macy talks about. She says that we're living in three epics. Business as usual, the great unraveling, and the great turning. So the business as usual is, you know, you turn on the news and it's You know, awful, but it's sort of the familiar awful, the known devils. Yeah. You know, you go about your day, you think about the usual things, etc.
1: Yeah, we're just carrying on. Yeah. Earning a living, paying our taxes, going to the shopping store. Right.
0: Having the kinds of conversations people have had for millennia, maybe, you know. Hmm. Then the great unraveling. That's another epic story that's going on in our time. And that is, of course, the breakdown of the ecosystems, the resource base of life and uh, the social unrest, the exploding world population, much of which is on the move now you know there's massive mm. migrations the biggest in history because the, a lot of the food baskets of the places they lived no longer produce food. they're drought ridden. So it, you know the great unraveling is all of that is happening and it's going exponential. Mm. Then the great turning. And the great turning that she refers to, of course, is the turning to Dharma, the turning to wisdom, the turning to love, whatever it may be. She's not pr- proposing, nor am I, that it's going to save the situation, hmm. but rather it will allow us, those who are able to immerse themselves in the great turning, to bear all of this and to not turn on each other.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Wow, that's powerful. That's powerful. It's interesting, as you were talking about this strangely, I found myself reflecting on um the quite sudden passing of my father-in-law a, a couple of years ago. And he was diagnosed with a radically terminal illness, um, only about three weeks before he passed away. And during that time we all gathered together and there i could i could see all three of those camps you know there were those people who were just carrying on with business as usual kind of in a weird way you know pretending like nothing was happening and then th- there were actually some who were uh, in a way just immersed in the hopelessness of it the unraveling and then there was other people who were kind of ex- accepted that th- this is a turning point for patrick and one way or another, we got to be in it. Yeah. And uh, you know, I swung all around that place. Yeah. And you know, I there was a time when maybe I had a sense of like hope. Like there was a sense of like we got to save. We can. We can. We can turn this around. <laughs> like we can. You know, this is the moment of miracles, right? This is why we showed up. This is why we're here. You know. Yeah. And those who were in the unraveling space thought this, that was like blind hope. And you know, there was really interesting tensions that were born out of just the invitation to kind of be fully present. With this beautiful, beautiful human being as he was moving through a transition, and we all found our way in the center in the end. Um, But um, I was really, for whatever reason, thinking about that as you were sharing.
0: Oh, interesting! Yeah, and and of course, you've just shared with me that your family was in the whole fires that have just been happening in California, and Mm. I've reflected a lot. I know so many people there as well, and you know, just how you're going along business as usual, and then suddenly you're running for your life in a way. You're, you're you're racing to your car to get out of an area that's on fire. So I, you know, I live in these three epics, I think, on a daily basis. You know, I, I go about business as usual. I, you know, think about the usual things with also this awareness, can't help but notice the unraveling. And also noticing the turning and, in, and the turning in my own case, in my own heart, mm. and something has been shifting in these last few years. You know, into this this ground of of courage. You know, more. I'm not saying I'm fully in that.
1: Well, I love your awareness of floating between the camps i think it's easy and, and there's probably time and need for all three of them yes. actually right yeah. you know it's easy to think oh well you know being in business as usual is ridiculous but actually it's, some things need to keep get done and right. you keep getting done you know and, and there's there's a space for all of that and we're human so we're naturally going to yeah. flow flow between is there a way that you steer your presence Yes. Uh, And, and is there moments when you find that um, being in the camp of unraveling or being in the camp of business as usual, you you have some sort of uh, alarm in your being that says, you know, you're indulging in this when maybe you could, you could actually choose to put your energy elsewhere.
0: Exactly what you just said. Exactly that. Sometimes I notice an overindulgence. uh, It's usually signified by nervousness in my system, Hmm. you know, or anxiety arising. I kind of have a a quick trigger for anxiety. So when I notice I'm falling out of balance, entertaining imaginary thoughts about future or overindulging in, as you say, the business-as-usual story, which starts to feel very um, tedious in a way, feels very disconnected often. Then I, I manage my attention. That's what I do. I move the attention. I quickly move the attention into Simply present awareness or gratitude or reflections on love of what I do love in this world, which is a lot.
1: Yeah, nice. So it can be that simple for you just to actually consciously shift what you're giving your attention to. I think
0: it has to be that simple for any of us. And if you make it more complicated, it gets further away.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It requires sitting down and engaging in like a process. Yeah, no. (laughs) The moment's gone. (laughs) Exactly. I'm further into the cave. Wow. So you've said it a few times. Now let's talk about it a little bit. Courage. So I've got this great quote that I was thinking about our conversation, and it's a quote from Horace, which says, uh, "It's courage, 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 that raises the blood of life to crimson splendor. Mm. Live bravely and present a brave front to adversity." Mm. I so love that. There's interesting stuff going on in there.
0: Yeah, as you were, as you were. Reading that, I was—I was the word came to me, lionheartedness, which I always love as well. As soon as I hear the word mm. or the word bravery too, I like something, you know, it's like some message goes
1: through my system, you know,
0: of that is the inclination that I would like to, you know, embrace.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. Both of those words, they almost have a cellular response. That's you kind right. of feel like your posture starts to shift yeah. when you, yeah. now, um, there's also some great quotes around courage not being the absence of fear, but right. sort of having that kind of ability to move through, to keep going. You know, I can't go on, I go on kind yes. of energy.
0: Yes, absolutely. Of course, you know, despite the fear, yeah. and despite the potential loss and all of it. You know, when you think about how courageous – humans have been across time, especially poor young men who've just been sent off to war, you know, and how, you know, there they are on these battlefields, whether it's World War I, World War II, or any of the current many wars, these young people, they're facing just the worst situations that would just trigger the most paralyzing fear through your body, you know, and yet are having to call on some kind of bravery that we as humans are also endowed with. And, and also think about all the people who have died, you know, who I think about that often somehow. Hmm. Um, In fact, as a complete aside, I'll try to remember this point in the conversation and come back to (laughs) it, but maybe you can help me. But as a complete aside, I sometimes reflect on any given circumstance from the position of my imagined deathbed, like I'll, mm. I'll look at a certain situation and think, how how will this look mm. from the moment of my wow. death? But you think about all the people who have gone that journey, and for real, not just in imagination, and um, how graceful often it is, not every single time, but how many times people who you might not have suspected would call on those kinds of reserves of of letting go of courage, hmm. which I think letting go is part of it.
1: Mm. Wow, it's it, really interesting because you're that lion-heartedness is is such a, an immediate kind of response to the word courage. And I'm sure that there's moments when the when the lion is afraid. Yeah? Yes, you know, like yeah. and it's probably through the fear that he needs the courage. Yes. Right. Right. So. Right. Um, it's not a weakness. It's, it's actually just, it's part of the experience, right? Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, it would
0: just be a sort of dissociated kind of experience where if you, you know, if you didn't feel any fear, there would, might be just some dissociation, you know, mm. which I think some people have, but it's more of a pathology.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, it's not a, yeah, I'm not. Acting this way or being courage, like with 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 the knowledge of everything that's in this moment, yes. I'm bringing myself to it. Yeah. It's more of a kind of a disconnected. I'm going to march on anyway. Right. Yeah. More of a business as usual, maybe.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, share a little bit about hope because hope is an interesting word. It's one of those words that also feels really beautiful to say. And so there's an element in there that we, we you know and 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 in. You know, our modern culture, there's this so notion of, you know, maintain, keep hope. And yet there's almost a passiveness about it, like an, an uncertainty. Right. External. Well,
0: I think for me, and I, th- I think I have had a change of relationship to that word over time, it actually triggers a little unrest in me because I feel like it's implying a kind of wish it and it will be so.
1: Yeah, like know? it's out of my... Realms of being able to influence, or right, or, yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, I think we can sort of colloquially say it. Oh, I, you know, hope to see you soon, and things like that. It are different. That's different. But to live in a kind of a hopefulness about things that are not that likely to roll out the way you're hoping is living in a kind of disappointment. I mean, it's basically a cousin of fear. You know, it's it's essentially it's mm-hmm. you now again to. Reiterate. I'm not saying we should fall into hopelessness, hmm. but rather, you know, T.S. Eliot said, be still and wait without hope, for hope may be hope for the wrong thing. But hmm. I re- rework that slightly and say, be still and wait without hope. Hmm. You know, um, just let it all roll out kind of a, from a Taoist perspective. It's going to come rolling out as it does. And you can tweak a few things, you know, in your personal life or in your personal, in your community, or you can do a podcast that goes out to thousands of people. But the whole picture, the evolutionary force that's mm. been rolling along for a long, long time is a big game that, you know, is going to have its own play. Yeah. You know. and- so in that regard, I, I have, again, trained the awareness to not indulge too much in any kind of hope.
1: Hmm. Hmm. And just to be with how things are and to show up courageously or how you how you feel drawn to show up yeah, regardless of where the river is taking us.
0: Yes, exactly. And, you know, just do what one can along the way. Of course, one likes to be on the side of the greater good mm. and try to be helpful, but... Also, again, surrendering all one's acts to however it plays out,
1: yeah, it's really interesting. You know, I've spoken with several people who were went over to um, Nepal and Tibet after the big hurt, uh, earthquakes over there. you know, where looking at it, it feels very hopeless. Looking at it from the outside, <clears throat> it feels like, wow, so much, so much destruction here, so much is lost here. and And all of that is true and yet also i something emerges in the people that are there that are actually immersed in it that are kind of showing up as warriors or support or that feel called to be there yeah and when you speak with them even though what they're dealing with is you know of the worst things imaginable there's an aliveness in their presence and in what they're doing that has them feel Really, on task, like like they are right where they want to be. Mm-hmm. And I can remember even just going back to my my father in-law's situation, there was a few moments in there where i I was aware of um, being totally undivided with him. Yes, and I realized, wow, that felt so good. Oh. Like that felt so good, and I realized how often I was divided in wherever I was, mm-hmm. and that the moment, that moment, even though it was moving into a direction that I was so sad to see, yeah. It was calling me there 1,000%, and there was something about that that was yeah. really beautiful.
0: I'll say, yes, indeed. It's like those moments that give some sort of greater context or greater sense of meaning, connection, all of those things. And I think, and as you're describing the crisis context, often people report mm-hmm. feeling the most alive, the most magnanimous, etc. you know, in those circumstances.
1: Why do you think that is?
0: I think that having a sense of belonging is one of the greatest forms of happiness available to us, that sense of being part of a larger whole and being part of a community. And then even more wonderful uh, to be of help or of service to that end or in that group is very satisfying it's, it's it's really an open secret of happiness it's it's very very satisfying mm-hmm. and i think and you and we both know that when people have those kinds of jobs as it were in the world they're the happiest people we know mm-hmm. you know they're the most fulfilled so i think that that's one reason you know you find yourself in a circumstance where it's all us and we have a shared purpose together that is helping is is dedicated uh, to the greater good. There's a clarity that comes with it. There's a sweetness of being of heart.
1: Mm, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going right there while you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've heard you speak a little bit about the Taoist perspective on life, of sort of seeing the suchness. Mm-hmm. You know. And you know the things that we may or may not be able to influence, and you've referenced that a little bit even indirectly in our conversation today. That you know we are part of a great unraveling, a great turning. You know, how do we be with that? Speak a little bit more about this notion yeah. of, of suchness.
0: <sighs> yeah, I'm I'm so loving uh, the Taoist perspective. I mean, I was familiar with it all along, but what I've seen, Chib, is that. Most of the isms are wasms, as as <laughs> Abby Hoffman famously said, you know, that the isms are all wasms. Um, but Taoism has kind of maintained its, uh, you know, relevance in that... Because
1: um, it's always right here. Right?
0: Yes, and it's always about just surrendering to the suchness, not in apathy, not in uh, resignation, but in... Uh, clarity of seeing this is what is you know there's no point in fighting reality there's no mm-hmm. point in trying to change the you know river so uh, what I see with regard to the perspective that is very helpful is that I guess courage does come with this deep surrender to the allowing of how things are going Are going, you know, it, Mm. it, it, because there's a lot that's going on that is sad, really sad and agitating, and can bring up feelings of anger and frustration and even rage. You know, I know a lot of people, especially in the U.S., they're just struggling with very negative mind states, and understandably so. But, you know, anxiety, anger, all of the depression, you know, people are having a hard time sleeping, I've heard. And and that's in the rich United States. So that's not to speak of all the war zones that are going on. So you think about how hard it is to be in certain circumstances and maintain any kind of surrender to what is. Hmm. But that's going to be the only point of sanctuary. Hmm. And, you know, in my own case, in small ways, nothing... Comparable to being in a war zone, but just difficult situations, yeah, it's really when my awareness shifts into, okay, this is what it is now, this is it. Hmm. this is hard, but this is it, and I'm not going to add on to my suffering by fighting the what is of it, you know, the suchness of it. that's going to be a, a battle I'm for sure going to lose, you know,
1: yeah, and do you do you feel like that might be different for different people i'm I'm thoughtful of um that little story of uh, the man that came across a beach where there was, you know, thousands of starfish starfish, and there was that kid that was chucking them one at a time back. And he said, you know, you'll never get them all that, you know, you're never going to save all of them. And the kid just said, you know, he threw the next one and said, (laughs) I saved that that one." one.
0: Yeah. I love that story. Yeah. So
1: there's, so I, I don't feel or sense a sense of resignation in this sort of accepting what is, No. but it's, I guess it's an allowing to kind of, do or be, because part
0: whatever. of part of the what is is you in the very moment you're living, you might be able to be helpful to someone. That's part of the what is uh, in the moment. But what I'm talking about, the non-resistance to what already is, right? It's not that you can't change some things. You can, but certain things we actually can't much change. There's all kinds of things going on in the world that are just, they're done, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so it's it's the recognition that you it's like the serenity prayer after actually you know the do you know the serenity prayer god, um, god grant me yeah say it though let me see if, if i can remember it properly uh god grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change the courage to change the things i can and the wisdom to know the difference hmm. So it's it's really it kind of comes down to the Serenity Prayer. Actually, it's yeah. a very good Taoist prayer. Really, yeah. There are certain things you just cannot change. There's certain things you can make a, an effect, and and then you need to also know what those two are. So another piece that I often reflect on is discernment. How important discernment is, mm. and how one has to be very very careful about. Magical thinking, right mm. You know for in in history, we were enjoined to have faith. Faith was promoted as a huge virtue for you know for a lot of modern history. And when you think about what that is, it's basically asking you to believe things without evidence and making that uh, as though it's a higher virtue than being suspicious about things that have no evidence, which is more how I would see it. (laughs) And so to just have this kind of blind faith, it'll all work out or somebody's going to fix it or technology will save us or, you know, we can raise our consciousness and heal the earth, etc. All these things, while they're nice, comforting ideas, there may not not be any basis in reality, possibly. Uh, I'm not saying for sure, but... What I would propose is we need incredible clarity and discernment at this time, you know, very non-sentimental clarity. So we have to be watchful of any kinds of, in, in a way, new agey belief systems.
1: Yeah, I, so I guess and the flip side of that, I guess where, I, where my mind goes, is also this notion that, I mean, this is one of the things I have faith in maybe, is that we are capable of so much more than we realize? Mm-hmm. That we have these capacities within us that are dormant.
0: Yes, that we have
1: abilities and ways of of impacting our world and ourselves in ways that we never really—they're asleep. Yes. So, I'm thoughtful of how do we leave space for that? Yes. And maybe, maybe it's um, because we don't know. We show up fully, yeah, and in that space of the part that we can't control, also is all the things that we the we potentiality the potentiality. Yeah. So those things we can't control isn't necessarily. A, Negative spiral into blackness and the end of all things. It's also it's also joining with yeah. that which is bigger than us.
0: Yes, absolutely. And then also not having a fixed picture of how it might roll out allows you to clearly see each step of the way how you might take the next step, right? Because you're you're not you're not burdened by an already existing picture that you're that you're a slave to. And so, um, yes, I completely. Agree, And I I think that it's very, very powerful to live in much more of a sense of mystery. Mm. And then the potential really is even grander.
1: Yeah, really interesting. I really love that. And I also get the whole magical thinking danger. And, you know, it's sort of like if I was out surfing and I went out and it was... Three or four foot and really nice, and then suddenly, like massive storm and swell came in, and it was twenty feet. If I was just sitting there waiting for that three foot wave to come in and take me in, you know, I right. could I could be in big trouble really quickly. Right, you know, right? Sure. I have to actually surrender to how what's what's this ocean doing right now? Yes, yes. And the, and my greatest path through is to just be totally tuned into it.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. Have your responses be you know have your ability to respond be very acute in the moment, right? You Mm -hmm. know how to direct it, you know. I I often use the uh, phrase that I have the sense that I'm flying by the seat of my pants. I guess in early aviation days, before there were instruments to fly with, pilots literally had to fly according to how the winds were moving in the seat of their pants, how they're, right. how they're, how right. they're feeling in the seat. Um, so they're flying on these currents, these wind currents, mm-hmm. and, f- and, and adjusting accordingly. And we all know the phrase, but hadn't really perhaps known the etymology of the phrase. But I love that image, and I feel like that's what I do in my life. I fly by the seat of my pants. I adjust as I go along, little mini micro adjustments yeah. that are born of the information at hand,
1: yeah, that you're getting from the from the wind. You yeah. Know?
0: From the world. In the yeah.
1: world. So you you know, it's not just little uh chronic thoughts that are happening, but actually you're tuning into the energy of what is. Yes, yes, exactly. Wow, powerful. Yeah. So I've got I think I've got two more questions. Lots of questions, but two more that we'll do right now. One is, you know, in your view, in your feeling, where is this going?
0: Of course I don't know and but I am amazed to be living at this time because there is an incredible waking up happening on this planet. You know, it is just everywhere. Um, Well, almost everywhere, I guess. Not everywhere yet, but... um, And at the same time, there's an intensification of the damage and the destruction. Hmm. So, we're at this moment, this crossroads in history that is, who knows how this is going to play out, but it is quite a show to be watching. I mean, it's just, I think perhaps, well, who knows how you could say this, but but it is, has to be one of the most or the most interesting time to be alive. Yeah. I think yeah. The, the intensification of absolutely everything, of knowledge, of wisdom, of connect, I mean, never before has the entire world been able to just talk to each other all over the world Every day, every day, I'm talking to people yeah. on the other side of the world. Yeah, you know, instantly. I'm, instantly seeing them. Yes, seeing them for yeah. free. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's astonishing. And mm. so, to, and and of course, all the other ways that we're, you know, connecting. All the ways that ideas and shifts of consciousness happen now so fast. Mm. You know, mm. so it's incredibly um, dramatically encouraging in those ways. And. And beautiful, beautiful to witness. Yeah. At the same time, there's a lot of stuffs going on that's super sad to witness. So I just, I, I said recently, I was talking about my friend Leonard Cohen, and I said he has a, a tear in one eye and a twinkle in the other, and 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 that's kind of my um my mode. <laughs> beautiful,
1: beautiful. I love that. Lastly, for the listeners here, coming into a new year. And uh, walking that fine line between business as usual and the great unraveling and the great turning, um, what's, you know, one thing that we can do on a daily basis or right now just to actually help ourselves be in our center, capable of flying by the seat of our pants, tuned into the, this great river? <laughs>
0: Well, I think I said the same thing last time, but it has to do with really loving your life and really falling into you know gratitude for all that you that you experience and love in your life and Of course, you know those kinds of reflections are are instantaneous hits of happiness, right mm-hmm. as soon as you think about it just a little bit, you know you just move the attention into what's good in this experience that I'm having here. And there's a lot, usually you find yeah. quite a bit, just in one tiny little reflection. So I would say lots of visits of, of, to that in a day. Mm. And then also allowing the attention to really free float. I like to let my attention, I don't direct it much, I like to let it free float, but I, I I'm, I have a certain light vigilance on not letting it land on a bunch of nonsense or... You know, worries for too long, as we said, or just obsessive thought. Yeah, it it tends to go all over the place. But I do kind of guide it as needed.
1: Yeah, like, <clears> a, like a little kid.
0: Yes, <laughs> exactly. Right, yeah. like a little kid.
1: <laughs> oh, that's a little close to the fire. Come on over here. <laughs> yeah. you can touch that stove, but just for a second. Come, right, like right, come on over here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good. Good. I like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, Catherine Ingram, it is an absolute honor and a delight to have you uh, here in the studio with us. It's a, it's just a beautiful moment, and I'm really grateful for it, and, oh. and grateful for the opportunity to share.
0: Oh, uh, well, I so, I always love being in your company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This has been in the deep. You can find the entire list of In the Deep podcasts at katherineingram.com, where you can also book a private session by phone or Skype and see my schedule of upcoming events, such as our spectacular retreat in Italy next October of 2018. If you're a regular listener, please consider making either a one-time or a recurring tax-deductible donation in any amount that is comfortable for you. Till next time.